Hello, hello, and welcome to episode one of the Sports Creative Showcase. I'm your host, Juan Morales, and thank you guys so much for joining. If you're here listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you probably came here from my YouTube channel where I host this show in the video format, and I'm finally bringing it here to audio platforms, all podcasting platforms, no matter where you're listening. For those new to the Sports Creative Showcase, my name is Juan Morales. I'm a 25-year-old sports content creator living in Toronto, Ontario. I've worked in sports full-time for the last five years, and I've been very lucky to make so many connections over that time, in which those connections are gonna be coming on this show here to talk about their experience in sports, from photographers to videographers, social media managers, and all the above. I'm bringing the best people I know in the industry here to chat about their experiences and to help you guys with their tips and tricks on getting into the sports creative industry. I'm happy to bring you the first episode in this series here with my friend Niru Singh. Niru is a content creator, a strategist working in the Formula One and motorsport world. One of the most talented and intelligent people when it comes to social strategy that I've ever met. He's worked with countless brands and teams in order to effectively up their social media strategies as well as also contribute content to some of the best known brands in motorsport to date. And for those curious in a different experience, this show is also available on YouTube under my YouTube channel, which I will link in the description of this show, but also searching up the Sports Creative Showcase should bring you there if you want that visual video experience. And without further ado, I hope you guys enjoyed this first episode of the Sports Creative Podcast. Make sure to leave a review and a rating if you enjoyed it. And here it is with the rest of the episode. Hope you guys enjoy. Peace. So first and foremost, welcome Nero to the channel. Uh, you are the first sit-down guest I've had on this channel for any kind of video, so this is the first for me. Um, Nero is one of my closest friends and has been gone for pretty much over two months now. Uh, one month, it's felt like longer. Um, traveling the world, uh, being an international superstar, and recently has had the opportunity to shoot a lot of Formula One. As you can see on his shirt, Nero is involved in the motorsports world uh, and recently got an opportunity to go to the Bahrain Grand Prix. So, Nero, first and foremost, welcome home. Uh, welcome to the apartment. You haven't seen this is your first time no. seeing the place. Yes. And welcome to the channel. Uh, I'll give you a second here to introduce yourself to the viewers and everyone watching. Okay. Uh, I'm Nero. Uh, as you can tell, me, me and Juan are very, very close. I've been sort of a fan of Formula One since I was like a kid, basically. And the reason why I went to Bahrain was only because I was like going back after 16 years and watching the race live again. That was my second ever Grand Prix. And the first time I ever watched that was in when I was a kid. So it felt like, you know, Formula One's been basically part of my life. Uh, and that's kind of transitioned to supercars, motorsports. And I kind of transitioned basically all of that with photography and video and combined the two to just make that a passion. And eventually it's kind of led to what we're going to talk about today, basically. We, and I went on my first international trip with him to New York as we, well. So. We went to New York together. Uh, we've been, become really close friends over just the last couple of years over the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, we shared the same group of friends and I've gotten to learn so much more about F1 and motorsport. And obviously my channel is really directed towards sports content. But I think up until this point, it's been a lot more of the traditional sports. I've shot hockey. I've shot basketball. I've shot volleyball whatever but formula one and racing itself is a sport that not isn't really highlighted when you think of traditional sports but i think it's such a unique position to be able to cover one of those races just because it's a whole event it's not just one day it's an entire weekend but before we actually get to that and your experience at bahrain can you kind of kind of give us an idea of how you started off in this industry i know where you were before you didn't start in racing right away but you've always been a car fanatic and a photographer um so do you want to go a little bit over you know what you've done in the past and where where that's led you 
Yeah, so I spent a lot of my time uh, when I started doing photography, actually just walking around my own trails and learning how to use a camera. Eventually got kind of a bit tired of that, uh, but it was travel and stuff was kind of in, in the back of my mind and eventually starting connecting with a lot of individuals in the car community, at least locally. Throughout the years, two, three, four years, um, slowly got tired of that because of shooting just cars in a parking lot and just making my own concepts, but we're not really happy with how it was sort of progressing from there. Eventually kind of met up with another racing driver called Matt Clark, who is still up and rising. And when I met him, he was kind of on the grind. He's doing really, really fantastic right now. So I chatted to him and his dad about covering a whole season for him, basically, in his F3 season, or sorry, F1600 season. And it was a learning process for me as well to figure out how to run sort of a racing driver social, but then also cover his photo and videos uh, work. That eventually kind of led to his sort of like sponsorship and getting managed by a guy called James Hinchcliffe and by a company called Speed Group. And that's how I kind of got involved with more racing stuff. I always wanted to be involved with racing and motorsports. There was, I always felt there was a much more of a storyline there from like uh, beginning, climax, end. And it felt more interesting, me to, interesting for me to sort of follow that. Uh, and I would think that a lot more people would be interested with that sort of aspect as well. Uh, again, like you said, it's not a traditional sport that people tend to watch, at least in North America. You know, showing that sort of life to them and showing people like there's a 16 year old driving a racing car is kind of, people don't sort of grasp that knowledge or they don't grasp that idea that, you know, kids driving that kind of car. Um, and that's what I kind of wanted to portray more with racing. And now that I'm in Formula One, it's just a different storyline, different things to, to talk about. Um, just at a much bigger scale. So you mentioned briefly that one of your things wasn't just photography, but also social media management. And obviously in the creative world, we, you know, you immediately think of videographers, you think photographers, but no one ever talks about the creative work of a social media manager. And I think that's actually one of the things I'm always the most interested in. I admire the most about you is just having that multifaceted ability to not just shoot the cars and, 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 you know, create content visually, but you know how to present it and you know how to engage with people online and build an audience. Can you talk a little bit about that and why that's been so important to you? I've made, had a lot of experience marketing and done, have a lot of marketing experience with, you know, different clients and a major part of my sort of arts, I guess you could say is a lot more marketing than actually photo and video. Uh, I was working for Mercedes-Benz, a dealership at the time, doing brand marketing work and trying to bring in, bring in more customers. So I think that's where my sort of marketing experience comes in. And it all kind of plays hand in hand with all the photo and social stuff. Um, I, I have a feeling that if you don't sort of capitalize on the marketing aspect and don't understand it fully, um, it's hard to capitalize using, using the photo and video and sort of leverage that. Um, you kind of need to have sort of all sorts of those kind of areas um, to sort of present your ideas and your and your work to the to an audience and building audience, I think I think a lot of people in photo and video actually have that that capability um, to to some degree. It's just at different levels for for different people. Just to kind of go along chronologically, because when we met, you were working with Mercedes Benz, yeah. um, and I kind of saw you go through the beginning and the middle and the end of that job, and you kind of wanting to move on to something bigger. What? How did you transition from doing just car photography and the social for Mercedes Benz and in Kitchener Waterloo? How did you take that, and then how did you move over to getting to shoot your first F1 race in literally the matter of an entire year? Yeah. Um, because I remember when we met, we met on that Zoom call where we made uh, manifestations that we said we wanted to do. We met through an IKEA chair. We, we, we share the same IKEA chair. It is the, 
My phone just fell. <laughs> it is the, what was the Ikea chair called? Marcus. The Marcus, the Marcus on Ikea. Chair. The Marcus chair on Ikea. Go check it out. We bonded over that chair. Um, but, you know, since then, we both had kind of, we've shared a similar path where we were at places where we were enjoying it, but we weren't, it's not necessarily we want it to be. Uh, and now we're kind of sharing the same path of starting off where exactly we want to be, me with the NHL and you with Formula One. So how did you go from doing social in a small Ontario town for a Mercedes-Benz dealership to now getting to, you know, you had another opportunity to come up, which I'll let you talk about. And now you got to shoot your first F1 race and now you're going to be going to every single race. How did that go from point A to point B? Yeah, it feels like that happened overnight, but really wasn't. F1 was always in the back of my mind uh, and I'd been applying to certain jobs here and there, but always got stopped. The transition kind of happened because of Clubhouse, actually. So shout out Clubhouse. Um, if you were in the pandemic, like if you if you were on social media in the pandemic, you'll remember Clubhouse, that app where you literally just talk to strangers about literally anything, anything for nights on end when we were all lonely and we're all lonely. stuck we're all, at home. We were all stuck at home, didn't know what to do, especially in Canada. Like it's the, it's the middle of the winter. Like you can't do anything else. You don't want to go outside. You don't want to go outside. So what's the best thing to do is go and chat to random strangers. And I kind of found that very, very comfortable to do. So. Obviously, being an F1 fan, motorsport fan, I joined F1 groups, F1 chats, and from there met all these wonderful, wonderful people who I will talk about sooner, but they're all sort of signed on with my shirt. Two or three more has to have to still come and, and sign it, but I can talk more about them later. But Clubhouse kind of really helped kick, kick, kick it off, essentially, uh, this trajectory towards heading towards um, shooting my first F1 race and shooting and joining a company in F1. That transition slowly happened because I was realizing Mercedes didn't sort of offer me what I was looking for, which was the freedom to go and explore many different places. I felt very creatively stuck there only because it felt very transactional. I always felt like it was a ceiling being hit and especially during the pandemic. So that obviously didn't make it easier and I was just struggling just being at home all the time. Uh, I'd never moved out, you know, so just being away from home, I took any opportunity to do that. Eventually, basically, when we got to October, I was kind of like burnt out. That's when we both went to New York. And I just felt a little bit of rejuvenation, basically, yeah. of creativity, energy. And that's when I started to actually look for jobs in New York City, not even F1 related. I think that's a really big statement. And this is something I talked about one time in the channel when I just moved to Toronto. Yeah. A change of scenery can literally do so much for your mental, like your mental state, but also your creativity. And I think we've both found that yeah. in our own different ways, me just moving to the city downtown here and you literally deciding on a whim to like, I'm going to go try to find a job somewhere else in a different country. I don't care where it is, but I need that creative boost because you got a little taste of that when we were in New York for that long weekend. Yeah. And now we're here. So like continue on with the story. I just, yeah, love, no, I just love that idea of like being in that city. So we went to New York, you kind of, I, I remember we were talking about this there, like how rejuvenated and how re-energized we felt after that trip. Um, and then you just started to look for jobs and you know, you, you went through one and now, you know, can you continue talking about that? Trip? Yeah. Yeah. Also that has also partly not just the city, but also the people I met there, obviously one of our close friends, Sarah, uh, you know, there's a, there was a big support group that also helped sort of change and shift my mindset towards wanting a job outside just Canada itself. But yeah, I sort of had a, another job after that really quick, two months, which can't don't really want to go too much into. But the, the next job that I got, which is obviously with F1, uh, the previous job actually helped me get basically this whole month long trip. And I just decided to just leave for a whole month because that's what I needed. Uh, New York gave me a short boost of that. This whole month basically gave me 
a full mindset shift, being like, I can just do it and I can create the content that I want to. It came about by, again, through Clubhouse and Instagram connections. Uh, a friend named Jamie, who I've been chatting to briefly through Clubhouse and Instagram, and his, you know, up, he put, just posted up on his story being like, hey, we're looking for someone in social. I wasn't even sure if it was like an F1 job necessarily, uh, but I was curious. So I just went and chatted to him and we chatted in Bahrain. You know, we, we, talked, we talked a lot about it. We talked about the job, what, what it cost, um, you know, what they're exactly looking for. And I just made the decision there, there and then being like, if it's going to happen at any time, it's going to happen now, basically. Uh, F1, an F1 job doesn't come to you every so often. It doesn't come to you every single day. It's very exclusive and it's a, it's a very elitist sport to get into. It's a very tough sport to get into. So what you're saying is that you're better than me. I'm not saying, I'm just saying I realize what sport I'm in and it's extremely difficult to get into that sport. I did not say that. I did not say that. Uh, you got a job in the NHL before me, so. But I think there's two really main central themes to your story and your journey to where you are now before we actually get to, you know, you getting the job and shooting in Bahrain. Um, number one is the you use your network to your maximum advantage and i've always said to people like your network is your net worth the amount of people you know and who you know is more important than anything in this line of work um how important and if you want to talk about clubhouse or the people you met um how important is it as a creative in sports uh to build your network how important is it to meet people and and to you know not just put your face out there but put your work out there too and the willingness to do the work how important is that firstly it's so important and to add a disclaimer to that, basically, uh, it's important, but going about it in the most genuine way possible. There's a lot of people out there that will go just to get the network and will take advantage of any, any, all the people possible. And that's not the way to go, go about doing it. The best way to go about doing it is having that network, but helping out people without expecting anything in, ret in return, but then showing the best work possible. And... I will give a shout out to all the Clubhouse people and Instagram people that I've met. So um, we have a group group chat called Tunes and Tires that we made, uh, starting off with Lydia Lydia Harper's, who's who starts a, a company called Park Ferme, who talks about Formula One, motorsports, everything in general. For awesome photographer, awesome awesome photographer. I'm gonna leave everyone's Instagram handles in the description below. Everyone we talk about in this video, I haven't met everyone. Obviously, I've only met you met Sarah. I right? met Sarah. That's yeah. about it. But like all their work is incredible. I'll link them down in the description below. Yeah. If you're into sports, creative at all, or Formula One at all, follow them. But everyone will be in the description down below, including your Instagram. But continue on. Um, yeah, Lydia Park for me. Her whole thing is about fast cars and slow living. Um, again, fantastic, fantastic photographer. Um, like one of the most talented people I've ever met. Um, next, we have Sarah uh, Levinson, who I met through Clubhouse, just genuinely. Shout out Sarah, New Shout York. Shout out Sarah, New York. New York 2021, never forget. Oh, yeah, exactly. 2021. 20, was it 2020? Yes. It was did, 2021. Did I say 2020? No, you said 2021. Yeah. Uh, Shout out Sarah. Just a fantastic, great friend as well, and like a fantastic person now, like a huge support system as well. Uh, Samantha, who actually lives here in Toronto, and it's her birthday today as well, so. And she, she's, like, she's like a rock solid person as well. So Samantha and Sarah both run a, a account called Grid Clique, who, where they talk about uh, female representation and diversity in Formula One because it's still a um, thing that's sort of struggling in Formula One, bringing in more diversity into the sport, especially female um, representation into the sport. So they cover a lot of that and they've done an incredible job doing that as well. Uh, but then we have Max Lasaka as well, as well, who, Max, 
I don't know if I spelled his pronounce his name correctly that he's gonna kill me for that but i tried i tried i've known him for a year and i still don't know how to pronounce his last name so it's kind of embarrassing max. Ma- well max um, not to be mistaken with max Verstappen. not to be mistaken by max Verstappen. if you ask him about anything he will give you all the information about that topic basically he's well-versed and extremely knowledgeable um then i have my good friend saim who have known for a long time now met through photography another fantastic photographer as well a uh, marketer works with, works with kpmg and whatnot um and just an overall good dude as well. That's kind of like my support system and people that I talk to about F1 in general. Uh, but I think a support system is incredibly important as yeah. a network. Like I, I could talk about you or Nicole or yeah. or Porter or anyone, any one of our shared friends, yeah. like having a support system to push you to do it. Exactly. I like, I, I know for myself, and I think you could probably be the same without the group, the shared group of friends we have. And for context, like, we we are we're internet friends. We yeah. met we met on the internet through a share through a common friend, and now we have this huge friend group. Yeah. Well, I don't think I would have made it to where I am without them. And I exactly you know what I mean. It's the yeah. same with this group or your group of friends. Like having that support group is incredibly important. It is important, and so that's that's just my F one group in general. But then I have this whole Discord group as well that we've all met. You know, fantastic people from, and we've all gone on this journey in just one year's time, and everyone sort of changed dramatically in terms of the job, the personality wise, and and what we do. The next thing I want to talk about that we you, that you and I talked about, I remember when you told me like, oh, I might move and do something in the UK, and I was like, wow. Yeah, I called you in India. He, yeah, he called me in India, and he was he called me in India, and he was like, yeah, I kind of want to move to the UK and and take this job, and I'm like, I was shocked, but I'm like, absolutely do it. Yeah. Um, the one thing I've always kind of led my my career on and my kind of work ethic and anything I do in life in general, I think it's important to take risks. Yes. I don't, whether that is moving to a new city, whether that is quitting your job to try something new or whatever, I think, at least for me in my career, everything I've built on has been on the precipice of taking a risk every single time. Whether it's a giant risk or a small risk, taking it usually leads me down the path I choose most often versus playing it safe. Um, Obviously for you, now moving forward, you went to Bahrain, which again, we're gonna get to because that's an amazing experience but you're taking a massive risk by moving to a completely different country in the next month uh, to pursue this career. But obviously it's in chase of your dream. How important is taking a risk to you in, in terms of like chasing your dreams? I haven't gotten anywhere in my life without taking risks. Um, we both follow the same YouTube channel called Seek Discomfort or Seek Discomfort is their slogan, but yesterday. Yes. Uh, I've been following them for a very, very long time. And I think that mindset has kind of adapted me to take more risks in life, understanding that if if you're not taking those risks, you're not gonna grow yourself into a better person and you're not gonna learn about yourself. Um, it comes with failures, it comes with its own wins, but you learn a lot more from your failures. And from those failures, then you take those lessons and move on to the next project, the next goal. I think it's second nature for at least most creatives. I don't wanna put people that work in nine to five in a, in a, different, in a different capacity, but I think it, that's kind of what separates people that do nine to five and people that do sort of creative freelance work. Cause we have to continuously prove ourselves all the time. Yeah. Not to say they don't, but it's just a different, it's just in a different capacity. It's a different world. It's a different, I, I, yeah. Like I've always said to myself, I don't want to work a nine to five. Yeah. Um, and like in my situation, taking the NHL job um, to a degree was a risk because yeah. I was leaving two places that I was very comfortable in. Yeah. It wasn't a nine to five, but it was places where I was rooted and, and I made a name for myself and I, I knew I was able to help and create content. And, you know, 
not necessarily sometimes it's about just getting out of your comfort zone and i think being in a nine to five situation you get very comfortable you'll get stagnant but then you know are you really getting fulfilled by that for some people that's enough but i think for when people in the creative space like us and our friends like it isn't enough you need something to keep you i i love waking up and doing something different every day yeah i love i love just being able to change my schedule every day and it's in our nature just as creatives to put ourselves out there all the time like that comes second nature to most photographers and videographers that you see on instagram because we need to show our work all the time. So we don't really care whether we're being judged that much. So in itself, that it's a risk to put yourself out there, um, but we do it on a, such a daily basis that it kind of just, you know, we don't think about it. The bigger risks are when you, when you think about all those bigger, bigger decisions you have to make. But you can sort of take that same mi mindset you have with, you know, posting your own work with, you know, say you want to move to a different country, move to a different city, move to a different job. like you take that same mindset and apply that to, to those bigger decisions and understand why you're taking those decisions and you've only gotten to that place because of those you know, moves you've made. So you, you went away for a little bit, you had this trip planned, you, you, you went to LA, you were in LA for a bit, did you go, to, you were in New York for a couple? Uh, LA for one week, New York for one week, uh, Bahrain, which is the F1 race for about four or five days, and then uh, to India uh, to see my family, otherwise I would've got disowned. Uh, how you go from going to Bahrain, were you going to go originally to work? Was that the whole deal or were you going? I was originally going there just to enjoy the race and enjoy it as a fan. There was a, in the back of my mind, obviously, I was going to go take photos there and enjoy my experience, but capture the entire experience of being in Bahrain and showcasing that to just to my audience itself. And then someone reached out to you with a bigger audience that you, you know, wanted you them to run your socials. This is kind of the next step in your story of how, how you got to where you are now. What was that, you know, who reached out to you and, and what was that experience like getting to actually get a media pass and going around the paddock and taking unbelievable photos and videos, which I'll throw up on, on screen right now. Um, can you talk about how you got, you know, to getting reached out to and taking over the social and then going yeah. on? One thing, I never got a media pass. I was just in the paddock area with like normal grandstand tickets and people thought I had this crazy access, which I didn't. I just sort of found the images that I needed to get and found my found my, found loopholes basically to, to get the better images. It's kind of the saying of if you act like you've been there before, you, no, you, one's, you, no one's gonna bother no you. No one's gonna bother so, Yeah, so again, shout out to Lydia, a great friend. Obviously, she's LinkedIn. Um, she runs an account called Park Fermi parkfermi.co, uh, where they talk about motorsport and they do these travel guides and tour guides of all the cities that F1 usually tends to go to. Um, they'd already want, done one for Bahrain, but we had chatted about maybe doing an Instagram takeover uh, through my lens because I obviously lived in Bahrain before, so I was going back after 16 years and I, with, with fresh eyes, basically uh, seeing the country that I grew up in and watching the sport that I love. And that's kind of where the idea came about of doing an Instagram takeover for Park Fermi. And, you know, shout out to her. She was like super generous with like allowing me to do that. We were sending stories. To, uh, I was sending, sending stories to her and to her team, uh, showcasing what Bahrain was like, what sort of the fan access was like. And from there, taking certain images that they would find suitable for their, for their Instagram audience. And that kind of actually helped me grow a lot more as well, um, just through my following, because people started to see who who's doing this Instagram takeover. And, you know, I'm super grateful that she, she let me do that and uh, gave me that opportunity. And in that, during that same week is kind of where I got that, that job basically. And I think that's a really big kind of 
full circle moment of using your network and taking a risk in order to get there. And I want you, I want to hear a little bit more because this is actually the first time I'm seeing you since you've been back and I've seen everything you've done. You haven't really told me a lot about it, but what was the experience of actually shooting an F1 race? Like, cause you know, we we're both big fans. You're a bigger fan than I am, but um, you've reinvigorated my love for the sport. Uh, he's staying over to watch the Grand Prix tonight in Australia, which I didn't know was at one in the morning until you told me, I thought it was, so we're staying up all night, but can you tell me about, uh, you know, just the experience and what you got to do. Cause shooting an F1 race is a major, major level sporting event. Yeah. And it's a very different sporting event than most traditional sports. What was the experience like? What did you get to do? What was some of your favorite parts? Just kind of yeah. go on about that. I, I think it's the, you can kind of split it up into two different sections basically. So I didn't go in with a media pass or with any accreditation or any, you know, official title that I was working for a team. So I never got into the paddock area where, you know, most photographers, professional working photographers are. I was sort of more in the fan access area uh, where the fans are and sort of more behind the barriers. Um, and I think that was a better, it was a better advantage to be honest, because it's, you're showing people something different that uh, normal fans won't see on a daily basis through, you know, when they, when they see paddock images. Honestly, the, the experience was, it kind of built up throughout the weekend essentially. So I picked up my spots. Uh, I knew where the best photos were gonna be. I knew exactly my, my sort of area of like expertise in terms of this is exactly where I can get the best panning shot. This is where I can get my best images of people. Normally events for me tend to be a lot more overwhelming because there's so much to shoot and there's so much to see. With this, I really had the time to take the weekend and soak it all in and understand where I need to be essentially for, for, for the weekend. And, I, I really got to soak it in and be present. It wasn't, it wasn't an overwhelming experience. Obviously I was extremely happy to be there and like energetic about the whole experience. Uh, but it wasn't like an overloading experience of like, I don't know where to go shoot and whatnot. It just felt like a very enjoyable experience of, oh, these cars are going past. This is where I need to take the photo. It just, everything just clicked because I've been around motorsport for so long now that I'm like, it's kind of like you were at home. I felt, I felt at home. I honestly just, just felt at home and just felt, Literally, I was at home, mm -hmm. and being being on the racetrack just makes me happy. Yeah, essentially, I I can relate to that. It's like when I got to shoot the Heritage Classic, my yeah. first NHL game. It's like you just kind of know what to do in that situation because you've been you've been ready for it your whole career, yeah. and when you're finally there, you can just kind of like sit back and just put it on automatic and just roll like roll into it you know what i mean like you just go on autopilot and you just enjoy it all yeah don't don't get me wrong i was screaming inside my head and i didn't show that to anyone but i in my head i was just like this is can i swear yeah this is fucking nuts this is absolutely crazy that i'm not I'm, monetized yet oh yeah exactly yeah. yeah it was it was just mental to to be able to do that and just i'd, I'd been waiting so long to do it and then to finally do it you, you, you soak it in, but then you just like, you want to be in the, in, the, in the moment and you want to be present. And I think there was a point in time where, you know, no one was in the grandstands. So there was a couple of people in the grandstands and the F2 cars or F3 cars were, were running lower formula of the series. You, you'll get it. And then I was just sitting there by myself, kind of like, wow, I'm actually, I'm actually here. Like I, I put my phone away. I'm just like, I'm watching Ma the car. Mama, mama, I made it. Mama, I made it. I was just like, I, I felt proud for myself, even though that's a very arrogant thing to say about yourself. No, I, I don't think it's arrogant. But, like you can, you, you can, you can enjoy your successes. You got to yeah, ride your laurels. It, like, it was, it was just, it was just a good moment for me to, that was like my meditation basically at that, at that point, being like just by myself and soaking everything in. And then, um, there was, there was a moment where, you know, I had, 
all my friends with me on, on FaceTime and, uh, you know, Ferrari won that day, which, you know, for my friend Max, he, he freaking loved it. And he was doing like a shoey in a, in a, in a Ferrari, um, in a Ferrari shoe. And that if was, you don't know what a shoey is. Just go look up Daniel Ricardo shoeys. You won't just, you'll, it. you'll understand. And, um, we, we were all on FaceTime. I was showing them the entire track and that from, that was when I was like, it was in my head being like, oh wow, this is, this is freaking cool as well. Being like showing it to all my friends, I'm on track and we've all shared this passion together for the last year or so. And I get to show them like the firsthand experience of me being on track and whatnot. And that was, that was surreal for me. So I'm a, I'm a big Sir Lewis Hamilton fan. You have to call him Sir now, cause he's a Sir. Like have his whole tattoo, uh, still I rise quote on, on, on me. This guy went on a worldwide trip and came back with a sleeve. This with is, a he's, tattoo. he's gotta, a changed, changed man. You gotta get it done. He's a changed man. Anyways, um, continue. Yeah, so I was just, you know, doing the interview, we were kind of in our, in our last bit being like, hey, congratulations, you got the job. I was like, wow, this is, this is incredible. As soon as that kind of happens, my idol just walks right behind me. You know, I might have thought it was, he was much, much closer to me because that's how I felt. He might have been like 200, 300 yards, but I felt he was super up close. And I just look back and I'm like, that's, that's, that's Lewis. That's Lewis right there. That's, that's Lewis. And I'm, I'm freaking out like a little girl. Like I'm fangirling over this. It's crazy to think that a year ago, like we were sitting in our parents' basements or parents' houses. Parents' houses, yeah. Uh, and we were just talking about the idea of you shooting an F1 race one day or you doing content for, for, for Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. And a year, a year later, he's walking behind you as you accept your offer to get a job in, yeah. the, in, the, in that world, yeah. which is... Which is ridiculous. But uh, to kind of wrap this up, tell us what you're going to be doing now. Who are you working for, and what, what's the next couple months looking like? You're not staying here for long, unfortunately. Unfortunately not. Um, but you are going to be you're going to be moving. But tell me, tell tell us where you're going to be, what you're going to be doing, who you're going to get to see and shoot. Let's let's hear about it. Okay, so there's a company called Sports Signage, who's had a contract with F1 for the longest time, um, and they are responsible for doing all the banners, advertisements, uh, you know anything you sort of see that presents ads in the in f1 and they do that they do that for pretty much every single track in the season they've been growing rapidly but they haven't had really a full chance to showcase their entire work and they do some very very cool things one of their coolest things that they ever did was the mexico gp podium where the podium kind of rises up all the way to the top uh, with the driver and the car itself and they've done that but no one knows the company that actually did it and my job will be essentially to create content around the cool work that they're doing. Um, so that will be, you know, photo, video, uh, TikTok, Instagram Reels, and um, LinkedIn posts. You know, it's, it's covering, covering everything social, uh, creating content and also putting that up on, our, up on our social media pages as well. So that'll cover most of, my, most of my work. I haven't officially started working with them just yet. Uh, that will actually start this Monday, April 11th. Then I, then I go from there. My first ever race will be the Miami GP, which is still crazy to say, because F1 goes there for the very first time. And then- You're going there for your very first- I'm going there- Very first time. My very first time working as an F1 sort of employee, a sports signage employee. It's so it, that, that's still surreal to me that I, can, I get to experience that uh, with F1 as well, because it's the first time that they're ever going. Um, and that will kind of cover my, my, my sort of basis with them. Um, eventually, I think I'll sort of lead on to to a bigger role in the company as well, but I expect to stay with them for 
for a little while at least. Um, it's interesting because you're not directly working with Formula One or a team, but you're yeah. getting access to it. And I think the biggest thing I've learned is like just having access and being yeah. with the people and in the area, you'll eventually find your way to where you want to be. Yeah. So my next question for you is... By the way, they also have the most free reign and the most creative, most freeing contract with, with F1 that with more than any other teams. Like we have, they have more access than most teams, to be honest. So it's, 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 it's even crazier than that. So when we're looking at the big picture now, since, you know, we, we met a year ago and now we're two years into our friendship almost and we're here. But the next question is you want paddock passes. No, I wasn't going <laughs> to ask for that. No, I wasn't. No, my next question for you is I, I don't like how you assume that. Oh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I, when you're in Montreal, though, I do. Just let me know if you need a video guy. Oh, yes. um, but my next question is five years down the line. This is such a cliche question, but where do you see yourself in five years? Um, obviously we're past the pandemic now to a degree and everything's moving quickly. We know all about that. Where do you want to be in five years? See, that's a difficult question to answer because I didn't think I would be in F1 in five years. I actually never, after a little while, I stopped pursuing it because I just knew it was not going to happen. So I stopped. So that it's, it's a hard question to, to, to answer at the time in the time being. Now that I'm sort of in F1, I, I sort of see myself. The goal is to work with Lewis Hamilton on campaigns and projects and be his sort of social guy down the road. Whether that happens five years down the road, who knows? But that's kind of what I've set my, my goal as. I, if anyone watching this has a direct line to Lewis, um, I'll, I'll, again, I'll leave everything here. Uh, Lewis, if you're watching this, he loves you I'll, and he wants to work with you. I, I, got, I got my connects. I, 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 get, I can get my way to him. I can get my way to him. Finally, to kind of wrap this all up, what what's one piece of advice you would give to somebody who wants to work in a sport like Formula One or, you know, just wants to chase their dreams like you have? What's the number one piece of advice you would give to, to somebody or even, you know, just a, you a year ago? What's the number of piece of advice you would give yourself uh, looking back here when you weren't here? What's what would you tell yourself? I still ask that question to myself and I ask that question to people that are still doing much better than me as well. Uh, I still think there's a lot of room to grow. We've talked about it already. One is. You have to take the risks. You have to put yourself out there. You have to put your work out there. The best thing you can do as a photo, video person, a creative person, at least that's one. I'm speaking in terms of the creative people that want to work in Formula One. You have to put your work out there and you have to connect with the right people. Uh, but do it in a genuine way where you don't come off as like you want to try and take stuff with people. You're thinking me wanting paddock passes. No, 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 not in that way. But I've met, I've met certain people where they, they only give it, they only take and no, don't give. Um, and I think that's a bad mentality to, to try and wait, you get passes. Can I have one? I'm just kidding. Listen, don't only, be that guy. Only, only you get access. Okay. Don't, only. don't be that guy. You're not that guy. You're no. not that guy. Trust me. You're not that guy. I, by the way, I've only, I've already had like 10, 15 people ask me for paddock passes and, and media passes and just hear you can you can hearing hearing from me. I I'm not I can I, I'm not gonna message everybody. Just because person. you work in professional sports, yeah. I'm gonna say does not mean you get tickets. And I'm just gonna say this. I think networking is a really important yes. thing we talked about. When you're reaching out to network, don't just ask somebody. I think the one thing we have in common, don't just ask somebody to give you access right away. Don't just ask someone to take give you the keys to the kingdom. Like yeah. get to know the people. Get like get to know the people you're talking to. Get to know how they got there, why they do it before you ask for anything like that. Because I think you can learn so much more from someone's journey and story and experiences 
than you can by just asking someone for access. Exactly. Um, and I think that's just something that people don't really think about, but that's something I think we both have in common is yeah. just, we've learned so much more from the people we're around versus actually getting and going to shoot. I learned more just hearing you talk about this yeah. than I ever would to go shooting an F1 race. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's just an important thing. Um, it, it's it just, it's super important as well. But like I said, you know, you have to put in the, the work, the risks you gotta take, and it's, it's gonna be cliche and it really applies to pretty much every other sport. Uh, Formula One just being a bit different only because it's so European based. You know, try and try and find people out there that you can sort of help out, give, give value to them. Because by giving value to the people that you wanna meet, you wanna connect with, uh, you're providing them something that they don't have time for. And they, then they'll start to see the value in you and what you can provide to them. Uh, but give, but don't, don't expect to receive anything just right off the bat. It's not instant gratification like Instagram. It takes time. You, you gotta put in the patience, you gotta put in the time. Best advice that Samantha gave me, and I still live, live by it to this day, she said, don't rush, be patient. So from Kitchener, Waterloo, and working with Mercedes-Benz to now working at F1 Nero, thank you for coming on to the Also, I, I, I will say- He's not done yet, I'm not, I'm not done, because it was still a full circle moment, because I used to work at Mercedes, and would sit at my desk, and to the right of me would be a massive picture of Lewis Hamilton with the quote, still I rise. And I look at that every single day. And that's now on your arm. Now that's on my arm and I, you know, seeing him in person. So, you know. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your dreams. Just go and live your best life because it's, it's worthwhile. And for anybody who wants to find you and check out your work and connect with you, where can they find you? Yeah, on... uh, f1zaddy.com. No, that was his TikTok. I, I didn't want to claim. I want to claim. I want to claim the f1 zaddy. Oh, you want to claim f1 no, zaddy? No, no. I, like, I, I gave that. YouTube. Oh, you did give that. Where can yeah. people actually find you on social, on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok? Where can they find you? Uh, Nero Singer, S-I-N-G-H-R. Uh, you'll put it up on your. Yeah, I'll put, I'll, put I'll, I'll, I'll put it up on the screen, maybe, or description down below. Maybe. But... Uh, no, for sure. Okay. Definitely. Anyways, thank you, sir, for coming on the what channel. Are you doing this? Thank you, sir, for coming onto the channel. Uh, make sure you follow him. Make sure you keep up with him because this guy's going places. Uh, he's wearing a McLaren shirt. I'm uh, wearing all my friend's signatures, which is uh, another project. Go follow with. everyone in the description down below. Yes, please. Very, very great people if you want to get involved and just learn about F1. Um, if you're awake tonight, enjoy the Grand Prix. Who, any predictions for tonight's race? Oh. Um, you know, I, I want, I want daddy Charles to win. Daddy Charles. Daddy Charles. Um, as much as I'm a Lewis guy, I still, I do personally like Charles. Just yeah. a nice guy. You just, just can't, a, you can't not like him. I'm a nice guy. I'm Kawhi. Wrong quote. No. All right. That's the end of this. Thanks for watching. <laughs> and thank you guys so much for listening to episode one of the sports creative podcast. Happy to finally get this here on audio platforms for you guys to enjoy please consider rating the show, leaving a review, letting me know what you think. And also make sure to give any of our guests, including Nero today, a follow on social media. Make sure to reach out if you have any questions. Everyone I'm bringing on the show is an awesome human and would love to engage with you guys if you guys have any questions, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you guys so much again for watching and I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Peace.